0: Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Settling
1: back for another week on the program, and Oh, looky here, looky here. This is an example of a hard-working gentleman in with me today on the program mr brock richardson settling back uh how are you
2: i'm good i i was uh thinking about uh this week and i don't think i've ever been this busy with ami in the five years that i've been with them and it's a fun week but i started my uh now with dave brown sports hit uh today as a permanent person and then i uh Filling in with you guys this week, and Neutral Zone is on a bit of a hiatus. But for a while there, it was like, man, my head's going to explode off. But I think I've got this covered now, and I, I, we're all set to go. But it's it's going to be a busy week, but a fun one.
1: So in two weeks, Neutral Zone returns. You guys will be recording on Monday. So Monday looks like this for this fellow, folks. Just, 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 just for fun, let's take a little look at a hard-working man. Uh, hit on uh, Dave Brown's program in the morning. Hit on our show in the afternoon. After that, he grabs his stuff, gets himself together, gets ready, and does the Neutral Zone, which will be uploaded as a podcast as well as a video podcast and air here Tuesday mornings at 11 a.m. in its entirety. Wow. So your week will start off really busy. And and as that that's great. You'll saunter on through the week. You'll you'll do hits on Dave's show uh, right through till Friday, so people can catch it just after ten a.m. Eastern time. But settle on back. Listen to the whole show starting at nine, folks. And uh, how'd today go?
2: Thumbs up. Very good, very well. It's uh, I I I will tell the audience I made a rookie mistake as I um was looking at Dave who was off over in my right corner of my computer screen. And forgetting briefly that I was needing to look in the camera, so I uh, need to learn, as my parents taught me, do your best you can to uh, look into the look into someone's eyes and look there. But uh, forgetting that his eyes and my eyes are matched up in two different cameras, so in this you case, live look into learn. the camera's eye. Uh, yes, exactly, hundred percent. Right? <laughs> <100%. laughs>
1: well, congratulations, uh, and uh, glad to hear so far. Off to a good start. We're going to keep that pattern up here. Let's take a look, folks. What do we've got ahead with Brock on Kelly & Company? Brock Richardson, that guy right there of the Neutral Zone, will do his sports update on our show very
2: shortly. Michelle Dudas, senior producer for AMI This Week, joins us to wrap up that series on AMI-tv as it comes to an end tonight on the program.
1: Guarantee some tears, ladies and gentlemen, when we get into that discussion local canine legend, and international barbecue sensation Miss Deborah Rose is giving Canadians a chance to try her award-winning BBQ sauce. We'll find out more later in Hour 2, right here on Kelly and Company. So folks, you're invited to Viewpoint Toronto. Join them Sunday, October 2nd for a full-day conference and exhibitor fair. Connect with others in the Vision Loss community Topics that they've got put on the table for discussion include age-related macular degeneration, glaucoma, and cataracts, uh, inherited retinal diseases, research updates will be a part of the day, stem cells, and optic therapy. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Uh, when? Sunday, uh, October 2nd, excuse me, 2022. Where? Toronto Reference Library. That's at 789 Young Street. Cost? $30. If you need any help with the registration, and we will be putting this up at uh, ami.ca slash kelly co, so we'll have links to that up there, but give them a call, please. 1-800-461-3331. Okay, uh, note please, masks must be worn at all times if you're attending, except when you're eating in designated areas. Please note that this requirement may change based on public health recommendations at the time of the event. They will maintain communication with all participants to provide relevant updates. Here's a note for you, also, folks. A very really touching, as far as I'm concerned, story and pretty amazing here. We'll talk about. A young hero in southern Oklahoma, a 10-year-old was honored by the police department, credited with saving his mom's life as she suffered from a seizure.
3: But I really do feel like he's my guardian angel as well. Lori Kaney says her son is more than
1: just her hero. We
3: were having a wonderful morning and we thought we'd jump in the pool.
1: Shortly after Gavin got out, the 10 year old noticing his mom who has epilepsy in distress.
3: I heard a splashing and drowning and then I looked and then she was seizing in the
1: pool. Videos showing Gavin wasting no time diving in and holding his mother's head above water as he swam backwards to get her to safety his grandfather arriving from next door moments later to help. Lionel Moyes, ABC News. I'm telling you, what an astute youngster to catch things. What a strong boy jumping in that pool and helping his mother like that and taking care. But but Brock, you know, it's amazing when you instinctively know the right thing to do. And um, bless you that you not the panic button isn't hit.
2: Yeah, and it's so hard for that panic button not to be hit in those moments uh, because when you see someone in distress, uh, such as his mom, uh, that can be tough, you know, but to kind of go into, you know, defense mode and, like, how can I save her and how can I do this without going into panic mode is something to be really credited. And also, let's keep in mind, too, Kelly, because the first thing that I thought of was most adults might struggle with this. This is a ten-year-old boy who who had the wherewithal to be able to say, "Listen, I need to help my mom, and I need to go into the mode of I'm helping her and and making sure that she's well." And everything went well. I mean, just to be able to swim and keep your mom's head above water and keep yourself safe is something to be commended for. So Ten. Congratulations years. to a a good situation there.
1: Ten years old, pretty phenomenal um you know just the the quick thinking and 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 managing to keep your your head cool that that's I mean that is to me just amazing and of course the words of mom just how she felt that you know really that that's uh, you know his her hero coming in there and saving the day saving her and just knowing what to do and I mean I'm got to assume there's been family discussions um you know m- maybe not the first time he's seen his mom in distress uh, in in, in really just not hitting the panic button. I, I heard this and it's just so, wow. That's amazing because we know, as you said, bro, how many times this little things happen and you hit the panic button. Oh, I don't want to drop this. I don't want to knock this off. And you suddenly go reaching and you take out the whole table of stuff because you're trying to keep from knocking one thing over. And here's a little boy that's able to jump in the water and just just amazing.
2: Absolutely. I mean, when the fire alarm goes off in my apartment, the first thing we think of is like, what are we doing with the eight animals that we have in our apartment and right. you go into the you go into that panic mode and those are animals and this is your mother who birthed you and raised you so really really amazing Kelly.
1: Yeah, really Gavin, incredible and wonderful story. Uh, folks, we've got lots of stories right here on Kelly and Company. This is the place to come for them and we're just getting the week started. That's Brock Richardson over there. He's at the home studio in Kitchener. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. Coming up next on our Tech Talk, Michael Babcock and Janine Stanley, Director of Customer Communication uh, with IRA, discuss the latest developments and happenings with the IRA service. That conversation ahead for you right here as the week starts on Kelly and Company. That's it, folks. Just settle on back for another edition of Kelly and Company. Remember, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The repeat of the show at 5 p.m. Do me a favor, though, if you want to reach out to us, a couple of ways you can do that. You can call us 1-866-509-4545 and leave a message. If you do that, mention it for Kelly and Company and uh, also let us know it's okay to play your message on air. If we can squeeze it into the show, we shall. 1-866-519-4545. On Twitter, follow along. See what's happening on the program. At AMI-audio, that's the handle, at AMI-audio. And of course, you can always email in if you have questions about Accessible Media Inc., AMI-tv, AMI-tele, or AMI-audio, feedback at AMI.ca. Feedback, AMI.ca. Kelly McDonald here, hosting the program with my co-host, Brock Richardson
2: we often talk about uh, Monday staples here on the program and we kick it off with our tech talk with Michael Babcock. Let's do it.
0: It's time for talking tech with Michael, bringing you a shot of technology news to get your week going with sprinkles of assistive technology.
2: Michael, today we're learning all about the latest with Ira and you brought a guest along with you, so I will hand the floor over to you.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Brock, and I hope you and Kelly are having a great day. I wanted to uh, start out and thank Janine Stanley from Ira for joining us and uh, jump into it. Hey Janine, uh, again, thank you. Can you tell listeners who may not know uh, what is Ira?
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. i um, honored to be here, Mike. And I will tell you that Ira is a visual interpreting service. And if you think about a sign language interpreter for oral kinds of communication, a visual interpreter gives you the visual information that you need when you need it in a professional manner uh, through a secure connection. So you can trust us to handle your personal info. And as one of our customers said, we're like eyes in your pocket.
0: I like that. Uh, when you need it, it's very important. There's been a couple of times I've been working on a project and it's in my spare time at nine, ten o'clock at night. And it was nice <laughs> about to just call someone up and get that help versus bugging a friend, uh, what uh, Janine is Ira everywhere that was released or announced on July fourth?
3: Yeah, so Ira everywhere is our initiative to make our app and our service available wherever you are, whatever device you are using at the time, and it's got three components right now. Uh, there will. Be more, definitely. Uh, but right now we have our IRA for Desktop app, which is in public beta, and I know we're going to talk about that. We also have IRA on the Envision glasses from Envision. And today, it will be out uh, later today, if it's not out already, IRA on the Blind Shell Classic 2 phone. So we want to make sure that you can reach our service as easily as possible.
0: Yeah, and when I first heard about the IRA for Desktop, I got super excited. What? How does IRA for Desktop work right now?
3: So, IRA for Desktop is actually kind of a misnomer. It's a web app. And so, you will be able to go online, go to a web page, you sign in with your existing IRA account, or you can set up an IRA account if you don't have one. You will have access to the free five minutes if you don't have an account, or you can use one of our access partners. But basically, when you call an agent, the agent is going to see you through the computer on your and I'm sorry, the camera on your computer. And if your computer doesn't have a camera, that's okay. Or if you're operating operating it in clamshell mode, that's okay. Because they will be able to see your computer screen. You can share the screen. Then you can employ something like Microsoft Quick Assist, which is a great way to have remote control of your computer. Or if you're on the Mac, I prefer... uh, Google Remote Desktop. Actually, it's the Chrome Remote Desktop. It is a plugin for Chrome and it is fantastic. And we also use TeamViewer and TeamViewer Quick Support for the Mac and PC. So that allows you to have interactions. Your phone is free. You can do other things with your phone if you need to, et cetera, and still have access to that agent.
0: And can you share files on desktop or not yet?
3: Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. You can share files. You can message, text your agent back and forth. And yes, it does work with Braille displays. So, you know, if you are deafblind, this is a great way to deal with computer tasks with an agent. Uh, You can share files. It also has location services on. So if you go to Starbucks and you're sitting there working on your laptop like everybody else, voila, that free access offer should pop up.
0: I did not know that. So, thank you for sharing that. That's uh-huh. super exciting. So, one of the other ways you mentioned that Ira Everywhere has uh, been implemented is on the Envision Glasses. And I heard a webinar that you guys did on Thursday with Envision, but can you let listeners know how that experience it would, like what the process is for using Ira on the Envision Glasses?
3: Sure. Well, right now, um, the Envision Glasses are actually, they are Google Glass with the Envision app on board. And I'm sorry, all of my technology is talking right now. (laughs) Um, But the Envision glasses are Google glasses. And it's funny because Ira started out using Google glasses. So there is a camera. It's kind of right above your right eyebrow on these glasses. And the app has you actually swiping on a little touchpad on your right uh, temple. And you can connect with an agent through the glasses. There's a little speaker back by your ear, and that works well. If you have the Envision app, you're going to pair those glasses. You can set up your IRA account, or you can match your existing account if you already have one. And this is great for navigating these glasses. Right now, we don't have GPS services working, but they will be working soon. But you can still navigate by the uh, agent looking through that camera on your glasses and telling you what's in front of you, signage, anything like that.
0: And having the hands-free, I imagine, makes a huge difference for oh, people my goodness, using yes. it. Yeah, uh, I I know that there are some people out there who have looked to purchase a lanyard to put their iPhone in, or, or a case to carry it around. So having that on your head makes it super nice because then you can just look in the direction, or or turn your head in the direction to be able to see what's around you. Uh, another thing that has a lanyard is a blind shell classic too, and it has it in the box. And I hear rumors that Ira is coming, and uh, you mentioned Ira that. Is we can talk today, about today. It yeah, it's exciting. Any-
3: app catalog later today so very exciting we thought it was coming out in the morning but we had a couple more tweaks and so it will be coming out later today in the app catalog and we want everyone to download and play around with it um and with both of these options both the envision and the blind shell you are going to get 200 minutes when you make that first call right into your ira account boom even if you're a Mm -hmm. guest So you can play around with the service and help us. These are both early releases, so some features are not going to be there yet, but we're building new features literally every week.
0: Can you tell users what they can expect to see and what not to see when they jump into the BlindShot app when it's available?
3: Sure. So the BlindShell app, you will be able to do things like uh, send messages. You can even send files if you want on the BlindShell app. I'm not sure how that would work, but you could probably manipulate them through your SD card. But you can definitely send messages Um, your agent can take pictures, although that is not the greatest experience right now. We're working on making that a better experience for you to have better photos because it does have a nice camera on it. Um, You will be able to rate your call, which is something you can't do right now on the uh, Envision glasses, but you will take a look. And actually, if you're on the blind shell, you're going to be on our new Ira layout. This is eventually what our mobile app is going to look like, folks, because we're we're remaking IRA from the ground up here so toward the end of the year you'll probably see in early next year you'll see our mobile app getting a remake and it's going to look a lot like what it looks like on the blind shell
0: that's awesome so uh, we're kind of seeing the design of the new mobile app and how things are going to look do you have anything else you can tease us about IRA?
3: Oh boy. Well, I know we did talk about working with ARX, the ARX headset, and we are still working with ARX. Right now, they're only on Android, but we are keeping that channel open for whenever they come onto iOS. And who knows what we're going to hear on the 7th from Apple. You know, if they're mm-hmm. Apple glasses, you know, Ira is going to be working on being there
0: definitely I I know we'll be hearing about that following up on Kelly and company uh, and one other thing that I wanted to ask about is a uh, price increase I think some of us heard about that can you tell us a little bit about the price increase for IRA that's coming and what users can expect or explorers sure. can expect to see
3: sure exactly and for those who don't know we call our customers explorers um, but we uh, did announce that we are going to implement a price increase. We do not have details. We will put out the details in January so you have a little bit of time. But what we did announce was that if you get an IRA plan between now and January, and that plan is active on January 16th, you can keep that plan for one year all the way up to, well, it's not quite a year, but almost. (laughs) So until December 31st of 2023 you can keep the plan that you have at the price that you got it at and that's for our three plans our intro standard and advanced plans nice. and if you need any information about that you can call our customer care folks they are uh, ready before the big labor day weekend when they get the weekend off but they are ready uh, 800-835-1934
0: Perfect. And, and we appreciate that. Uh, one more question, Janine. Uh, we've talked a lot about the consumer who's using Ira. If someone was interested in being a visual interpreter and working for Ira, what would be that process? And is this available for individuals in Canada? Oh,
3: it's not available yet in Canada, although we are looking into that most definitely because we know there are lots of great people in Canada who would love to do this job. We are always hiring. I will say that. Always, always, always hiring. The process to start uh, looking at what it takes to become a visual interpreter is at iraio slash careers or ira.io slash our-agents. And there you're going to see some of the requirements. Um, It is not easy to become a visual interpreter. Uh, And people go through a number of testing processes. And we want everybody to have a fair chance, so come on in. Believe me, we will announce it very loudly whenever we are available <laughs> in Canada.
0: <laughs> Super excited about that. Kelly, uh, Kelly or Brock, do either of you guys have questions before we let Janine go? I'm going to just slip in and first, Janine, say
1: how wonderful the service is, how the the, the personalities of the people, because I'm really curious how you guys do that when people want to be Uh, helpful as they are doing their job of course but we must ask as explorers so many different questions and they're always ready to go always ready to you know okay what do you what do you need of me and eagerly no matter what challenge we put up can you see this writing whoa it's blown right (laughs) out they're so awesome how do you get the right temperament in in, in the people supporting us
3: um that's why it's difficult to become an IRA agent (laughs) but we we put a lot they get a lot of training actually on customer service customer interaction things like that and a lot of support once they're on the job too because sometimes you know you're not having a great day when you call and so but they love the job because you never know what that next call is gonna be Mm -hmm. you could be uh, someone was on a cruise they were out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean you could be you know reading some important document in court for somebody, which has happened, um, you just never know.
1: I think that's got to yeah. be the hardest thing, right? Like, you don't know. It would be so exciting. You answer that, and wow, what, what you're in the midst of. And I know myself, <laughs> when I've used the service, I, I always just thank them for being there and letting me borrow their eyes.
3: <laughs> well, we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we're here to work for you. And that's the part that kind of we we really want to stress, because we're subjective. I'm sorry. We're objective. I was trying to sneeze there. We are objective about the information. So we're not going to judge you about anything. It doesn't matter <laughs> if your floor's dirty. We don't care. You know, we're going to help you get done what you need to get done.
0: And that's a huge difference versus uh, volunteer service. And <laughs> Janine, we really appreciate you joining us today and uh, you have a great rest of your afternoon. Sure.
3: You too. Happy to come back anytime.
2: That was Michael Babcock, joined by Janine Stanley, Director of Customer Communication with Ira. Michael will be back in a couple of Mondays, as next week will be Labor Day.
1: And up next, Brock will be back to talk sports with me here on Kelly and Company. Welcome back to the program. Brock Richardson, that guy over there, Kelly McDonald, host of the show over here. And we thank you being out there wherever you're listening in around the world. Maybe you're checking us out at AMI.ca right from your computer and listening into the stream or Radio Player Canada or Tunes. Excellent apps in which you can put on your smart device and enjoy the show. Well, let's get into something Brock and I enjoy talking about. We talked about off the top as he started doing sports daily on Now with Dave Brown. You can catch him in the mornings doing that. But his standard regular segment right here, Mondays on Kelly and Company. Let's bring him back on. As a
2: former athlete, I eat, sleep, and breathe everything sports. I'm Brock Richardson. Join me every Monday for your weekly sports highlights and our take on the weekend action.
1: All right, Mr. Sports, what's your leadoff item today?
2: So I actually, listening to that promo, I want to tell you a little bit of a funny story. The audience, I went away to the, the CNE this weekend. We spent one day at the CNE, and I told the, my wife and my sister-in-law. I said, "Guys, this weekend's going to be a, a, a test weekend, you know, to keep track of all the sports and doing morning with Dave and then you guys now and and they both stopped and looked at me and said how is that different from any other weekend? You're always looking at your phone. Oh, the and you're difference always, is you get paid more. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is, that, that is also. Now you be have ben- to
1: look at it that some of those Sundays that now doing this job screws up for you, especially during NFL season when everybody's, let's have turkey dinner. Brock, what are you doing? Get
2: that away from the table.
1: You have to remember, yeah, but I'm being paid to, to let my food get cold.
2: <laughs> Of course, and and Dave this morning did tell me he's going to hit me with some uh, NFL, which I love very much. Anyways, what we're going to talk about for a lead-off item today for, for this show is that we had the first ever Women's World Championship uh, take place in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it had world team, Great Britain team. Team Canada and Team U- USA, and uh, Team Canada got off to a bit of a rough start. Uh, they uh, lost five to nothing against the United States. Uh, the schedulers were not too kind uh, to both countries, as I think they could have waited a little bit to get kind of get their feet wet. But I digress. That's just scheduling for you in the world of sports and. Then they went on to beat World and Great Britain by a combined score of 18 to nothing. So that's to be expected, that result, 100%. I do want to shout out uh, Katie Laddie, who scored two goals in the gold medal game for the United States. She was dominant. S- speed, she was all over the ice, Uh the Canadians really were absolutely zero match for the United States. Now, Claire, I can hear her in my head saying, "Yes, but remember, we had a very young team, and that is true. It was very young team, and Claire is the oldest member of the team at thirty ish." Claire, on one the, the uh,
1: co-host on the neutral zone.
2: Ah, uh, yes, on the neutral zone, and so she, she, she's quick to remind me that uh, she, you know, she's the oldest, and there's lots of uh, young athletes there unfortunately canada came away with a silver medal but it seems like they're all pretty happy with that result um when they've gotten home you know you're seeing social media posts of people with their medals that's obviously not the result they wanted but i think in the end for to have a a gold medal game and a world championship this is what they want and it's off in the right direction
1: not to throw mud on the other teams of course participating the world team and so on um is it that inexperience for those folks, as well as that Canada team? We can say, "Oh, silver—that's right? wonderful." Um, but when Claire speaks like this, we talk about the younger. Is it, it obviously young, young? There's nothing wrong with being younger. It's just that lack of playing together in experience.
2: Understand too, Kelly, to your point that the uh, world team had a uh, collection of seven different nations. Yes. On, on the How do they team.
1: play practice together to begin with?
2: How, right, and so. Part of this, the goal is that they want to get to the Paralympic Games, and you have to have a world championship to start that process. And so I think they just wanted to make this you know, a competitive tournament. I think everybody knew and everyone could guess that Canada and U.S. would be where they were and all would be well. But I think this is a the step in the right direction for this sport, and it's wonderful, wonderful to see.
1: Sounds like it. Uh, Let's stick with hockey. Hockey Canada, you've got an update for us and funding that you'd like to share.
2: Yes, uh, I saw a uh, tweet over the weekend from Rick Westhead, who does lots of work for uh, TSN and different sports outlets, who tweeted out and basically said that some of the biggest sponsorships for Hockey Canada I have pulled away, which we've discussed and hockey Canada reached out and said, what would happen if we got rid of some of the top executives? Most of the responses of the big corporations said, you need to do a complete and utter overhaul in order for us to come back and do this. So I think this is going to put a lot of pressure on hockey Canada to do the right thing, quite frankly, Uh, Kelly, because I think they do need to do an overhaul, and it's great that all of the people in place now are saying, yeah, but I haven't been in charge for a long time. No, I think your funders are speaking loud and clear to say that we need an overhaul, and I think it may have come to a bit of a surprise to Hockey Canada that they are now being told and put on notice, no, if you want your funding back, you need to do a complete and utter overhaul, and that's pretty simple.
1: Sounds like they don't want those kind of ideas being developed by any seed that could still be on that board going forward that, hey, guys, if these were the things that you thought were okay, you agreed to it. We need fresh ideas put in there, no matter who they are and what they've got, long as credentials are there and ideas there. I I think that that's what sponsors are saying. Look, look, we don't want to be associated. We don't want to take a chance. We arrive back here in five years
2: and and it seems that that's what's happening. They're saying, "Listen, we we know and it's all well and good that you're saying the right things, you're doing the right, right thing, but even the guy even the guy that's in charge whose name is currently escaping me, but the guy that's in charge has only been in charge since the new year and and he's saying the right things, but he was still part of the organization and part of the fabric all while this is going on." So to me, you know, they're making it loud and clear and saying Look, you want our money? You got to do the right thing, and I think that is a perfect call on, uh, you know, the the funders and the sponsors and everything like that. So well, if let's new, do the right you, thing, you
1: still can be tainted by what what, what what the the mass numbers, the majority. So, uh, yeah. I I you know, you hate to see people forced out of what where they are, and and you know, even no matter how much they're saying we can fix this. we yeah, guys, sorry, you know, the the voices the the Panel has spoken, if you want to call it, those who are funding the efforts. Sir, one of the things I've always heard is how rough, because people are vying for positions, especially in preseason, of course, uh, you can get a lot of tenseness. You get a lot of aggression. You get a lot of fighting. There was quite the fight at a preseason football practice you want to talk about.
2: Yes. So this broke out uh, late last week between the Rams and the Bengals, which conveniently or not conveniently was a Super Bowl rematch. And this resulted in players throwing helmets. Uh, It was quite the scene. It was to the point that they didn't really know who was who. It kind of looked like, uh, you know, and and I'm not trying to. It looked like a pile and it just looked like no one knew what was going on and all these things. Having said that, and I do think this is going to change because, unfortunately, this is not the first time we've heard situations like this. This is is the first time where we've seen helmets being thrown, etc. The NFL tries to stay clear of suspension in in practice games preseason. I think this is going to change. Whether we see that happen with this incident, I don't know if that's true, but clearly people are just too hyped up and too... Uh, rambunctious and you see that in you know pre-tournament games in the nhl or the world juniors and things like that where if you get a penalty that results in a suspension that still carries over into the actual event itself and i think the nfl needs to look into this and not so much turn a blind eye and say we're just gonna pretend that's not happening over there because the nfl doesn't need that kind of thing
1: no at this point this late in preseason you suspend guys, so this is being last week, basically. How much do you think it affects guys as we've started to cut people, get them out of there, to getting into the season? That, that's a bit of a time if you get benched or you're. they're told you can't play, you can't participate in, in uh, the activities of, of, of practice uh, for X number of days. It's still going to hurt people going into the season.
2: Look at what's happening with Deshaun Watson. Missing 11 games uh, off the front of a season due to violating code of conduct and all that. Missing 11 games is a big chunk in the NFL season, and that's that's a big deal. And so, yes, I think that a suspension should have happened here. It doesn't seem like it's going to, but I would like to see it happen just to kind of put put the water over the fire and say, hey, guys, this is not acceptable, and it's that simple.
1: Let's move over to MLB here. <laughs> Let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays this past weekend. How did they fare? Uh,
2: They didn't fare well at all. Uh, We hyped up this uh, Shohei Otani, Alec Manoa. That lived up to the bill. I think you saw, you know, both pitchers going mano a mano. And I am a guy who loves pitchers' duel. And this was a pitchers' duel that you're not going to see in a lot of places because, as the broadcasters were discussing listen, we have a hard time finding splits for pitchers because you don't see that. And there was a lot of discussion on how many times Alec Manoa has faced um, the other pitcher. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't see this very often. And it was really cool, spoiled by an uh, unfortunate ending. This is a team that came in uh, on, a, on a six-game losing streak, the Angels, And they're now on a three-game winning streak. Toronto went one for 19 with runners in scoring position. Let's talk about Teoscar Hernandez not running out that double play. I don't want to hear it for a second that, oh, maybe he's injured. If he's injured, we have plenty of backups that could fill the spot. You need to run it out. You need to make plays. You have no time in this season anymore with a little over 40 games or so, to be making these mistakes. Either play or don't. And it's that simple. And it's the effort that we're not seeing from the Toronto Blue Jays, which is getting really tiring to watch.
1: And very late. It's it's ridiculous when you see Seattle and everybody else playing well. The guy must be injured. Get him off the field. You got Jackie Bradley and other people who can certainly handle the fielding. The the, the injury or whatever it is 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 harming the hitting. So uh, I'm like you. I, I'm just tired of seeing this stuff. I'm tired of Friday night seeing a team get back from a great road trip where they perform well, show up, and you said, "What? Well, you guys don't want to be here, do you? You 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 want to no. be somewhere else?" Now let's finish this on a great note, Brock. Saturday before that game. There was a wonderful 30-year celebration that you wanted to touch on.
2: Yes, there was, 100%. Some great discussions with the 30-year anniversary of the 1992 World Series. I loved listening to Dave, Steve, and Buck Martinez talk with each other. Uh, Dan Schulman really took a a backseat in all this. The story about Pat Borders originally not being a catcher and then making himself a catcher, and really he was... They were just talking about how, you know, a player like that could make such a change and such a difference. A lot of the fans afterwards were kind of discussing why can't we focus on the present? But I just think the Blue Jays did a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job in putting this together. And we'll see whether next year they they, uh, celebrate the '93. Uh, World Series along with it but just wonderful to see that happen and I hope things turn around for the Toronto Blue Jays because I'm going to speak again and say there is lots of talent on this team we just need to see it be put all together and we haven't seen that from the beginning of the season
1: and that's a great example why we have to talk about the past because it was more exciting (laughs) to talk about than what we saw over the weekend in the present We'll be back, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Brock Richardson, that guy hits us with sports on Mondays on the program. Plus, you can join him and the Neutral Zone as they get together their video podcast. You can hear the podcast and, of course, hear their program on AMI-audio starting on the 13th at 11 a.m. in the morning right here live. Sorry. Sorry. Uh recorded ladies and gentlemen lots of ways in which to enjoy them we'll be up uh, in a moment with Michelle Dudas senior producer for AMI this week as she joins us to wrap up the series on AMI TV we'll talk about it as it closes up tonight in two minutes Find AMI-audio right from your TV. MTS customers, you guys can look for us on channel 704. And Rogers Atlantic, look for us on channel 106. Visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of uh, channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald, helping you through your Monday. Also assisting me, Brock Richardson.
2: And at this time, we like to hang out with some reps from the AMI-tv game gang here on Kelly and Company and today we're pleased to be joined by Michelle Dudas, senior producer of AMI This Week to wrap up the series on AMI-tv. Michelle, is this really the last episode? Are you sure?
4: You know what, Brock? I am. Unfortunately, it is. Um, After 10 seasons, we've decided that now is the fitting time to bring the show to a close. Um, what's great is, I mean, a lot of shows don't get to see 10 seasons. So we're really proud of that. And we've had an amazing run. Um, and, uh, honestly, I, I really want to take my hat off to everyone involved in the show because it's been incredible.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, 10 years, as you say, Shell, is an incredible run. <clears throat> it really is. So tell us when we talk about things to be proud of with the series for you, uh, can you name a couple?
4: Ooh, I can do my best. It's a really, really tough question. I mean, I think... First and foremost, as I said, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm probably most proud of the production team, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes, who worked just so hard at finding and developing and producing the stories that we showcased, um, both past and present. We've had a lot of people, you know, throughout the years work on the show, and they're all just amazing. Um, also, obviously, to all of the participants who agreed to, um, you know, trust us with their stories and organizations, you know, who trusted us with, with their stories, Um, Honestly, I think I, I speak for the the entire team when I say that, you know, um, I think that's probably what brought us the most joy was the fact that we could provide a platform, you know, that's not often provided by mainstream media to establish and support voices of Canadians with disabilities.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that come from... The history and knowledge of the show, because that must also come with the glad handling. And, you know, as you get to meet different people, to, to, to get them to feel comfortable to share their story, having those conversations with them right from the start. This is what we're wondering about. This. We're really curious. and. Um, giving them that chance to have a voice, but mostly feel trusted that their story they're telling is, is going to be out there. Is, is is that the history of the show or just these wonderful individuals that you've had that opportunity to work with and build this show that way, uh, that that are the staff putting it together, producing it, uh, doing the interviews and shooting it?
4: Well, you know, Kelly, I, I, I'd like to think it's a bit of both. I mean, I, I'd like to think that, again, like the show has a good reputation and that people, you know, who do tune in um, or who have tuned in, to catch the episodes, you know, really did appreciate what we were trying to do with the show. Um, And on top of that, as you said, I mean, it's the people who obviously were on location, you know, talking to these individuals and, you know, before the camera even started to roll, like really just trying to build a rapport um, and maybe even, you know, just a a little bit of, um, you know, maybe even just like trying to relate in some way, shape or form.
2: And so what can we expect from the final episode?
4: Um, well, it's it's the final episode's a little bit unique in the sense that if you again are a regular watcher of AMI this week, then you would know that um we have we haven't been in a studio for the last couple of years. Um, but on the or in the last episode, both Victoria Nolan, who is our regular show host, and Toronto Bureau reporter Alex Smythe are actually gonna be filming from the headquarters, um the Toronto headquarters of AMI, um, which is really fantastic. And together, what they're going to be doing is they're presenting three profiles of three individuals who we've seen a lot over the last um, over the last decade. We've seen their stories in, in different ways. Um, so I'm really excited about that. and I, and I hope that you know people tuning in will be will be excited to see, um, again, just you know some of the the journeys of of some people that we featured over the years. And then on top of that, um, what's really great is we're actually going to be providing the audience with a little bit of a sneak peek on what they can expect on AMI TV this fall. Something I think you know, Kelly, you might know a little bit about. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun.
1: And I always enjoyed when we do these these sneak peeks. We get we're able to get so involved. When I was working with the show, with uh, of course productions involved with AMI in in any capacity, but getting out and just being able to share so many different things and never knowing when that show opened, what we'd have for you and the variety. It was always just so much fun. Will we still be able to watch those old episodes of AMI this week? And if so, when and where?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, some of the best places to find uh, some of the favorite stories will be, of course, on our website at ami.ca. And of course on our AMI TV app as well. And then, you know, on the channel, like sometimes we just have like rewinds of of some of our favorite episodes on, on the channel itself. So there are a lot of ways to find it.
2: Love it. Really do.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's just pretty special when you think of the ten years and, and I mean I think of how the show has changed, shall over over the time and You know our own episodes that that you sit back and memories that you have. And I'm sure, no matter what, you never try to play favorites of any one particular, especially yourself as senior producer. But I know I can sit back and think things like the Challenger Baseball. Uh, We were talking about that recently on the program because it set me to tears, for example. On, On a personal note for myself, one of the hosting, back in the day when I had to do some hosting, we did it in Oshawa from a place with classic cars. And being a car fan... It was, it was a great day of shooting and stuff like yeah. that. But some of the things we got a chance to try to cut our teeth on um, and, and get to do uh, and watch you know, others either do or share with us how they do it. And those moments you'd sit back and hear someone telling a story that you could relate to and only really you know on the show get the chance to relate to people talking and you're hearing it. Oh, I remember experiencing that. Or, oh, my gosh, wouldn't that be something? Brock, do you have anything? Well you mentioned Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just
4: gonna say, Kel, sorry to interrupt you. I was just gonna say that one of the um I guess one of the, the biggest memories I have of you on AMI this week, um, and we featured it off the top of this this last season, was when you actually, you know, drove a car. Yes,
5: with, with our David president Arrington.
4: and CEO David Arrington, exactly.
1: Um I so always... there's
4: there's definitely a lot of highlights. Sure. And I
1: always get asked, you know, what, what was your favorite thing to do? Of course, that comes to mind because I'm a, I'm a big car fan. But, you know, I got thinking about those times, those different experiences. And there were so many. Um, learning about ice sculpturing. Another really great time. Uh, just watching these people work, getting a chance to talk and and forgetting. Oh, yeah, we got something to shoot here because you'd get so engrossed in what they had to say. Brock, do you have any episode that you remember? Uh, that you yeah. Mentioned?
2: For me, there's two, Michelle. And you kind of mentioned it off the top, and one is more of a uh, broad over the last two years, and that's the pandemic. The fact that you guys were able to just still uh, shoot episodes of AMI this week while the pandemic was going on and everyone's world was turned upside down, you know, but the TV world especially, and you guys never missed a beat. It, it, there were just always hard-hitting stuff And for me, and excuse the sports reference as the sports guy, but I really liked Greg Westlake when he talked about uh, being inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. That guy has had a tremendous, tremendous career. And I just felt that it was so well done and it encapsulated his career very, very well.
4: Well, thanks for that, Rock. Yeah, I think that, you know, Greg, we love Greg. I mean, Greg, you know, can do no wrong. (laughs) Um, we, We love having him on... AMI this week and obviously on level playing field as well. So, and beyond the field, um, like I said, he's done a lot for, for AMI, which is great, but yeah, I, 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 for myself, I I'm hard pressed to think of one specific favorite. I think that some of the things that Kelly, you were saying about, you know, being able to participate in some of the stories. And I know for some of our reporters, um, you know, they were able to find new hobbies themselves just mm-hmm. by trying them out you know, being on the show. And I, I think of Grant Hardy who took up dragon boat racing as an example. Yep. Um so just, you know, being able to introduce people to things that they might not have, you know, considered at any point in their life and then they do, I, I think that um that's really amazing to think
1: about as well. That's around when Grant did the hamburger story. So we kept teasing him, they, oh you do the dragon boating so we'll get hamburgers afterward mm. because he likes his <laughs> hamburgers. I remember I remember him saying that. It, it's one of those things too that um, I think when things close off, like you guys are, are doing tonight, and if you could tell us a little bit about how folks can can catch it, um, I find these times really difficult. Um, you think back, as we're doing now, reflecting, but just when you know that that's, and I think it's the theater guy in me that knowing, okay, we've got together to do this show. It's ending. We're not doing this thing again. We're not together again doing it. And I find that incredibly hard. So heart goes out to all of you because I, I'm sure there was a lot of that kind of feel as, as the season wrapped up.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's bittersweet, right? Like you want to celebrate the fact that we accomplished 10 amazing seasons, but at the same time, you're sad to see it go. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's a really sort of interesting sort of range of emotions. And but yeah, I mean, if you, if I'm hoping, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm hoping that people do tune in and it can be seen tonight at 8:30 p.m. Eastern on AMI TV.
2: Yeah, that's really, really good stuff. And again, congratulations to you and everything mm-hmm. you put in with your team. And ten years is a long time. It's it's a, a decade of time and such wonderful stories has come out. And and let's not forget to shoot those things. Take a lot longer than what we see on television. So credit to the entire team and and really the organization as a whole for what you put together. It's been fun to watch, and I will be watching uh, tonight at nine thirty. And all the best eight, with eight
4: thirty.
2: Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> eight thirty. My apologies. Yep. No I'm must be in a different time zone. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be watching tonight. And uh, uh, congratulations once again on. What was such a wonderful run
4: thank you so much brock and thank you kelly thanks for everything that you've done
1: thank you michelle appreciate it good luck to everybody and thank everybody for giving us a splendid show and so much enjoyment for 10 years
2: again it's uh it's tough kelly when you see things wrap up like
1: that oh and, my and, gosh and, i don't do it's... well with it I, I i really don't i struggle a lot um, and, of course, you get thinking of everything. And I really urge people to get the AMI app and check it out because Brox has so much good stuff on there uh, from the years. And it's, it's, to me, timeless because you still learn and can take something from so many of the segments and, and even just the experience of watching
2: them. Yes, 100%. And we thank Michelle for joining us to talk about the final episode of AMI this week.
1: We'll step aside for a second, folks. And in an um, uh, effort to raise funds for her favorite four legged uh, foundation, local care canine legend, and international barbecue sensation, Miss Deborah Rose is giving Canadians a chance to try her award winning BBQ sauce. Ooh. Also, uh, last week, a Canadian veteran with a PSD, PTSD and a brain injury was me- offered medical assistance. Uh, and it was assistance in dying, even though that is not what he asked for. We discussed the case with Danielle McLaughlin on Know Your Rights. Up next, community reporter Annette Dennis with her community report. Stand by. There's nothing
0: like the wonderful smell in the air right before a rainstorm. This is Kelly and Company on AMI-audio.
1: Welcome back to the program. Kelly McDonald, hosting with Brock Richardson today. Muthan off for the week. And we're glad wherever you are hanging out with us, folks, that you're sticking around and, boy, lots of amazing content on the program. Brock, I had the... Wipe those tears away with uh, ATW uh, having its last episode tonight on AMI-tv. It took a couple of moments here to have to breathe deep because so so many memories.
2: Yes, there's always memories with shows. And sadly, even though they do say all good things must come to an end, but sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that those good things have to come to an end. And that is true for AMI this week, for
1: sure. You betcha. Ten years. Awesome. And again, fedoras off to the gang over there. Folks, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we get a chance to visit with our community reporters. These guys bring so many great things to us in stories, in information of things going on in their areas. We really get a snapshot as to what's not only going on, coming up, and some of the historical moments, but you get a real feel of the area we're talking about. Today on from London, Ontario, right here, to cover off some things in southwestern Ontario, is Annette Dennis, our community reporter. Hello, Nets. Welcome back.
6: Good afternoon. How are you guys?
1: Pretty good so far. It's been a, a good show. Brock and I settling in, and of course, uh, spoiling ourselves, getting a good chance to talk some sports. Um, I have a question right off the top. What what would you say your favorite part of London is?
6: You know that I've really been thinking about a lot about that. Um, it's it, it's hard to say. It's sometimes when you do a little digging. I sometimes I forget how many cool things we do have here locally. So um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, I'll have to say I, maybe the theatre, theater, the okay. local theatre, which I've been missing. See, is there a particular
1: area? Your first story is in Old East Village, uh, part of London. Yes. I, I was raised in Byron, uh, which is always where I always go to and say, oh, it's so much fun, so many good memories as a kid, and we've got our different areas. But I always find it exciting when people talk about different uh, burbs, if you want to call them that, or parts mm-hmm. of a town or city, and why? And so many people when I worked started working in Toronto would speak about different areas that that were great. Yeah. Um. So I always am curious. But let's talk Old East London Libation uh, District uh, tour here. What's this?
6: Yeah. So this uh, Old East uh, Village is actually one of the oldest neighborhoods in London. So it's it's really cool, and it's I think it's really undergoing. Um, revitalization um and this really brought it i kind of forgot um what what is is available in there so this is um taking place um there's a passport contest and that's taking place specifically from um, august 19th through to september 19th like you said in oldies village in london um so all these villages there are a lot of cafes, bars, other sort of beverage businesses, coffee shops, that sort of thing in the area. And this particular uh, promotional tour is focusing on those businesses that actually um, produce their offering, their offerings right on site. So, um, what they're doing is encouraging folks to basically go and explore these particular businesses and support them and learn how they operate, um, how they produce, you know, their. their ones that produce spirits, beers, soda, tea, coffee. There's a couple of organic coffee shops that are on this particular tour. or no organic Brewing, I think there's two distilleries, um, you know, that brew right on site. And some of them have restaurants, entertainment, karaoke, um, tastings, you know, how, how they make their products. So there's a really, a, it's really opened my eyes. I kind of, you kind of forget sometimes you get complacent. And I forgot that there were all these wonderful Um, businesses in Old East to explore. And this is a really fun opportunity to do that.
1: So many struggled, right, with the pandemic. And we want to shout out and say, guys, we're still here. I'm sure for so many people, you almost forget whether it was places you went by all the time heading to or from work and and things change. So you sort of like the real, the term out of sight, out of mind really comes to play. But mostly it's just so wonderful Annette, to learn all about the different places and history. And I think one of the beautiful things going on in our world right now is people are reminding themselves, hey, man, we've got cool places just down the street or just across town, local, local, we're hearing so much of.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it really, it, what I was, you know... Uh, Looking over this the last couple of days, it reminded me of that. And I'm like, wow, you know, don't take this stuff for granted. And it's important. Like you said, I think over the last couple of years, especially, we all have been encouraged to support local as much as possible. And this is a really fun opportunity to do that. And um, if you go to the website, they have write-ups on on the different places. And you can, you know, learn more. Go to their website and find out what they do offer. Because, you know, and... um, and kind of a fun thing to to try out. And so let me just say, um, and they list, all, like I said, all the participating businesses. And if you have more questions, you can call the Oldies Village um, community, and it's 519-645-7662 or com um, to find out more about what, what's going on. And they constantly do have new other things uh, happening as well
2: to, to promote the area of the city sounds really great and something else that sounds really great is food trucks on the farm seven weekends and you're talking to a guy who absolutely loves his food truck so tell me more I'm intrigued
6: okay yeah again this was an eye-opener this was like oh my gosh I didn't you know when I think of food trucks I'm, I'm dating myself you know going to events in my youth it's like there wasn't a lot of choice, right? But this really, this this is crazy. You might have to make a road trip, Brock, actually. Um, <laughs> so this is actually, it just started this weekend. So weekends um, from August 26th through October 9th, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and it takes place from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And this is at Hemans, which is on Missouri Road, which is at Thorndale, East London, just out past the airport. So very close to where, where I grew up and where I live. Um, so basically what they're doing is they're... Uh, having each day they have a handful of food trucks and they kind of have a rotating schedule. So you can go to the website and check, but they're encouraging folks to come out to Heemans, um, bring your lawn chair, uh, a picnic blanket or what have you. And, um, basically you know, have, grab yourself something fun to eat. And they're also offering um glasses of their of their cider. A glass of their cider as well that you can you can try mm, as well. Yummy. And that's a new initi that's that's a new initiative of Hemans, um gosh, the last couple of years that they've started producing their own products there. So yeah, and um Yeah. So I just, I was at the, on their website and like I said, they have maybe, I think Fridays they have three different trucks and they rotate and Saturday and Sunday they have maybe four or five that they kind of rotate so you can go in and, and they have information about what, you know, what type of food is there. And I was amazed. Um, it's like restaurant, like, like some of these are just like fancy restaurants on wheels. So I think it's really, really cool. Um, Did you want me to kind of go? I'll just rhyme off some of the foods that the the, I won't name the restaurants,
2: but the types of foods. Oh, please uh, do! I.
6: Yeah. This will encourage. This will encourage me to have a
2: road trip. This is what this will do.
6: Um, do. Some of the ones that jumped out at me: they have Portuguese fusion, Asian um, pierogies, gourmet mac and cheese, Brazilian cuisine um, with a Canadian influence barbecue. Lots of meat option. Egyptian cuisine, Mexican, Indian. Um, Mini donuts. It was just um, really, really, really looks like a a, a fun opportunity. The only problem will be is maybe deciding. You might not be able just to, to go to one truck. You might have to try out, you know, stretch out the afternoon and try out a couple of things. And then if, if folks want, you can get, get a class, uh, glass of their cider. And they have some of the selections are berry blush, uh, raspberry bee balm mead, um, peach and ginger mead, uh, and then a Dutch crumble. And then they're just their traditional cider. And I have tried a traditional. It's really quite nice.
2: Yeah. And I always find, too, like when you have those food trucks and it I don't know how it happens this way, because but it just does. It just tastes like home cooking. It doesn't matter what it is you get, it just is like hmm, this is good and you think this came off of a truck? Like it's amazing so I am one that's going to be up there and uh, it's from uh, 11am to 3pm you said on weekends right? Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah yeah. and you know it just kind of brought it to home a lot of these are probably you know mom and pop, you know family sort of things and and, and people that are really passionate about cooking and food so I just, it's, it's kind of exciting yeah awesome and so we'll if, it if folks have any oh, questions uh sorry sorry the phone number for Heemans is 519-461-1416 or Heeman.ca.
1: okay we'll get it up on the blog at ami.ca slash kellyco and we have a short bit of time here let's talk about the celebration mm-hmm. of 21 years of open doors london
6: Yeah, so I wanted to include this um, because it officially is back in person this year um, from September 17th, the weekend of September 17th and 18th. And I mean, you know, a lot of your listeners are familiar with doors open. Um, And again, this kind of I was scrolling through and there are so many wonderful um, um, museums, um, local businesses, heritage sites, parks. Um the CNIB hub is there, dance studios. There's so many wonderful things um, that people can can explore. And there is um for folks who there are passes available, like for $5 you can get a, a London bus pass for the weekend and you know that'll get you two adults and two children to ride around. I think it's from nine till eight. Um so there's really lots of again, a, an opportunity to remind yourself that there's a lot of fun, exciting things to explore in, in your area. Um, did you want me to go over a couple that jumped out at me? or people? No, like all the we're we're going to just
1: send everyone to the blog. That's time yeah. is, of a, a course, against us. AMI.ca slash Kelly we will put the link up. And it's a very good time. I've uh, enjoyed it in the years that the, I've been able to attend. So thank you kindly. We'll talk to you next month. Okay. Nice talking
6: to you guys. Take care.
1: Annette Dennis, our community reporter in London, Ontario, talking about things in southwestern Ontario. And you can catch our community reporters Mondays and Tuesdays here on the program. More Kelly and company ahead. We're going to talk barbecue sauce next Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you hanging out with us. And I understand that sometimes you can't be here for the live show at 2 p.m. Eastern time of Kelly and Company. We've got you covered. Check out the Kelly and Company podcast available to you using your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe. You can listen to the show in its uh, full form where we toss on an audio vanity card at the end. You can also listen to the show in segment form. Maybe you got a contributor you just enjoy hearing and that's what you tune into the show for. No problem. Maybe you've got a topic that you just happened to miss or join in the midst of us talking about and you want to go back and take a listen. Well, do that using the Kelly & Company podcast available to you from your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe now. And while you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review if you have some time. Kelly McDonald here with Brock Richardson.
2: For a limited time only, Canadians have a chance to treat their taste buds to true greatness as local canine legend and international barbecue sensation, Miss Deborah Rose, released her award winning barbecue sauce to raise funds for her favorite four legged foundation. To learn more about this, we speak with John Minchin, who is the founder of Dog Walking. John, welcome to the program, and nice to have you aboard.
7: Thank you so much for having me on this beautiful day. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Let me correct myself. It's spot dog walking. I, I apologize for that. I'm doing no well. Problem. Can you tell us a little bit about spot dog walking,
7: if you could? Absolutely. So we're a dog walking company that operates in Vancouver, Calgary, and Toronto, And we've been running for about five years now. And our whole goal is to provide the most reliable service. So no walker, no shows, you know, traditionally dog walkers, they can tend to kind of beat to the sound of their own drum, which means sometimes they're running behind (laughs) or canceling. So we've got systems in place after over five years of experience that have ensured that every walk occurs on time and um if one of our walkers arrives even 1 minute late the walk is free and we haven't had a no show in more than 3 years so we're just trying to be super reliable for dog owners across the country
1: that's amazing and and it's so important when people have so many scheduling conflicts as it is, it's nice to have that reliability, or at least if if by chance something was to happen, the compensation. But you also talk about temperaments, people and personalities. And let's talk a little bit about Miss Deborah Rose, if we might, please.
7: Yeah, absolutely. So Miss Deborah Rose is actually the dog that inspired me to start this company. So (laughs) about uh, five and a half years ago, I was working as a young professional and I realized that you never really know whether you'll be off work at 4, 8, or 10. And I started reaching out to dog walking companies and local services. And I really struggled to find anybody who could provide an on-demand service. So after about six months, I quit my job and uh, Debbie and I set out on this adventure. And while we still do the on-demand dog walks, our primary Service is just recurring, you know, for those people who need it every single day, whether it's work or some other reason.
2: How on earth did she get involved in making the barbecue sauce?
7: Well, she actually has quite an interesting past while I guess you could say co founding this company with me. Uh, she, she went on Dragon's Den a few years ago. And uh, just last, this time last year, she actually ran in the Calgary mayoral election. Unfortunately, she didn't make it. (laughs) So she's definitely a very inspiring hug who um, she's always cooking something up and decided that, you know, with summer, we're in the middle of summer. It would be a great time to do another fun, quirky fundraiser and decided to put together this. Novelty barbecue sauce, and all of the proceeds from the sales of the barbecue sauce and rib recipe are going to a local animal rescue here in Calgary called ARCS, which um, right now is seeing, like most animal rescues, is seeing an influx of pet surrenders because Mm -hmm. through COVID there was just a massive explosion of dog ownership, and now with so many people returning to work, unfortunately, we're seeing people. Who realize that maybe they bit off more they can more than they can chew, and unfortunately, a lot of these dogs are back at the shelter and looking for new homes. So we're just trying to have fun and do something positive at the same time with this fun fundraiser.
1: Wow, Miss Rose, um, TV appearances, running for mayor—sounds like a lot of personality in that pug.
7: Well, the thing about a pug is they're one of the few dogs that doesn't have a snout, so. <laughs> They look quite a bit like our right. closest ancestor, the monkey, which, yeah, they're full of personality. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, with that, I've got to, I'm going to try to slide into this one and,
1: and not sound too typical. Well, let's talk about the personality of the sauce.
7: What's it taste like? And what does it pair with? Well, it's a rib sauce, it's sweet, so it doesn't have any heat to it. Nice. And really, the idea is that you can throw this in the oven. Ideally, it's very easy to use. And you're just going to get one of those sweet, delicious, fall off the bone flavors that uh, just keeps you coming back. But that being said, you know, you might want to buy two, barbe- two barbecue sauces because this is a collector's item. Each yes. one is numbered. And, uh, you know, one day, one day you might want to have a full one on your on your mantle, just in case.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. As it hits, it may not be uh, real spicy or hot, but it's going to move and it's going to be that collector's item. So it's going to be a high hot item. Could you describe uh, the artwork, the bottle just
7: for, for our audience and for people to picture it? You bet. Yeah. So on the front of the bottle, we've got, it just says um, Deb sauce named after miss Deborah Rose. It's got a big picture of her on the front And then on the back side, it has her secret award-winning rib recipe that was nearly two decades in the making. So not only do you get the sauce, but you get the recipe that lets you cook the ribs exactly how they should be. So you can get that fall-off-the-bone feel.
1: Wow, that's nice. What's the key ingredient, would you say, in there with, what is the, if it wasn't written there and we were hiding it as a secret, what would be the real, what makes it what it is? Love, love and iBookers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. It's just, I, I love food and barbecue. Like that's my, that's my MO. So this is sounding uh, pretty delicious, to be honest with can you you, <laughs> you. you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but can you elaborate on the uh, partnership with the foundation and what this partnership kind of entails a little bit more in depth?
7: For sure. Well, our philosophy is that the more animals that we can help, the more animals we can eventually serve, you know, with through our dog walking company. Um, But over the years, we've done a number of different fundraisers and actually 10 cents from every 10 minutes walked through our dog walking company spot, we donate to animal rescues and shelters For the last year and a half, we've partnered with the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, which is an elephant orphanage in Kenya Mm -hmm. that rescues baby orphaned elephants. And it's some pretty heartwarming stuff. Um, But yeah, through the years, we've, we've raised and donated over $25,000 and we've done some work with ARCs in the past and they're just one of the, one of the three big rescues here in Calgary that just does a lot of great work. So Anytime we get a chance to partner with one of, you know, ARCs or the Humane Society or Positive Match, we'll, we'll jump on that. Um, so this is just a one-time partnership, but yeah, all of the proceeds—which means, you know, not the net proceeds, but every single dollar that um, we sell, we donate. So it's a, it's a, it's a big opportunity to make a difference here.
1: So when we talk about making a difference, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto locations where the service is offered. How do you guys, with all this going on, just manage every day? And and if people say, oh, my goodness, I'd love to do this, um, what's kind of the criterion for people to get involved to walk dogs?
7: Yeah, well, to to walk dogs, we're always hiring. And we typically look for mature individuals who have a track record of being reliable. That's the most important part and uh, of course those who typically are available midday because the majority of people who work need a dog walk you know i'd say 80% of the walks occur between 11am and 2pm um but that being said we are open from 9am till 8pm in all three cities but yeah really just reliable uh, whether it's an individual who has been a dog owner in the past or has worked with pets some people with aspirations to work in the pet industry that are still you know going through the educational process um but really just looking for passionate animal lovers who are reliable
2: you mentioned a little bit earlier in the interview that you guys have never had a more anyone be late and one minute late it, it's free what does that mean to you when you st- When you hear that come out of your mouth, you know that we've we've never had anyone late, and we're always on time. What does that mean to you?
7: Well, we we just to correct you, we do have people late. Currently, we are about um, seven or eight late arrivals per thousand walks, but that's typically only a few minutes late. Um, But we haven't had a no show in more than fifty thousand walks. So, to me, it's just I know when the day gets busy, you're at work, you don't have time to be wondering when your dog walker is going to show up, whether they're going to show up and how long they're actually going to walk for. So I just think that, you know, pets are a part of the family and reliability is everything. If, if, if you're relying on a service, you know, it's not like when you get the plumber and they give you the five hour arrival window, and then they show up two hours after that, I just roll my eyes. So (laughs) I think (laughs) as a a consumer and as a dog owner, we've just adopted those philosophies. And the fact that we provide late arrivals for free holds us to a high standard. And, you know, we've certainly, uh, (laughs) We've certainly provided quite a few free walks due to late arrivals in the past, but you know it's helped us work out the kinks and brought us to where we are today, which well, is I, I by sure. far the most reliable service.
1: Well, and I was just going to say, I'm sure as you started out making sure people understood and now learning how to convince them we can be trusted, we've got a great track record. You can go and take a look. But as you said, you you know you're these folks are trusting a loved one to you.
7: Yeah, exactly. And one of our goals is to almost take the trust element out of it because typically when you're when you're finding a pet services provider it's all about the relationship and all about the trust and you know you trust based on meeting that person that they're going to show up on time but trust doesn't always get the job done you know you need systems backup processes in place in case all of these situations occur you know if you're dog walker gets in a car accident on the way to the walk. Well, that's terrible, but the customer shouldn't have a no-show. So, you know, if it's an emergency like that, we'll just pay a backup walker $100 to drop what they're doing and come immediately. So, you know, that level of service is something that uh, I just think is super important.
2: And very, very quickly, where can we learn more about all of this that we've spoke about today?
7: Absolutely. So our website is called spotdogwalkers.com. If you were to just Google spot dog walking or dog walkers, we'd be the first ones to come up for sure. And then on the top of that website, we've got a banner where we're selling the Deb sauce.
2: Love it. I will be checking that out for sure. I love my (laughs) barbecue sauce. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. We greatly appreciate it.
7: Thank you very much for having me.
2: Enjoy the rest of the day. That was John Minchin, founder of Spot Dog Walker, and he was talking about his partnership and his dog walking organization as well. So great conversation there.
1: Coming up next when we return from the break, last week a Canadian veteran with PTSD and a brain injury was offered medical assistance in dying even though he did not ask for it, we discussed the case with Daniel McLaughlin on Know Your Rights. Hey there, thanks for being with us. Absolutely an enjoyable day on the program. Some really great conversations. Do check them out, please, via the podcast or the repeat of the show at 5 p.m. Eastern. So, Brock, what is the favorite barbecue sauce? Sweet or spicy hot? Sweet. I thought sweet.
2: so. You know, I, I just, if I, if I may quickly tell you that I tried something at the CNE which my wife enjoyed, but it was a pulled pork uh, sandwich. Smothered in between a Krispy Kreme donut, and for me, it was absolutely hold, hold disgusting. It, hold it. Now, come disgusting. on, disgusting. Are Disgu- you serious?
1: What kind of Krispy Kreme?
2: The the original.
1: Okay, there was two of them, and and you had this. It was the sandwich was made out of. So where the bread would be was Krispy yes, Kreme donut.
2: That's correct, and then in the middle was pulled pork sandwich, and my wife loved it, and I was just like, that is the grossest con- concoction of a pulled pork Krispy cream donut I have ever tasted. It was
1: Now, that should disgusting. be a game on Price is Right, where you see the gauge just going up and up and up as you eat it. Wow. Folks, we'd like to uh, take some time to visit with Danielle McLaughlin. We do this on Mondays. We call the segment Know Your Rights. Danielle brings a lot of topics for us to talk about, and today a very important one, so let's bring her in.
5: Let's examine questions that can't be answered by a simple yes or no. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, when we talk about how freedoms collide on Know Your Rights.
1: Danielle, this is one of those subjects that when I heard on the news last week, I I absolutely had no idea how to react. Um, And unfortunately, I, I... I wasn't as surprised for some reason because I think we've had so much outcry from this, that, the other thing, and people giving opinion and people saying we're being treated like this, people trying to make all sorts of someone's controlling me. But we had the epitome here in efforts to push a viewpoint, a ideal Uh, On someone Um, last week, it was revealed that a Canadian veteran suffering from PTSD and a traumatic brain injury sought assistance from Veterans Affairs. He was offered medical assistance in dying, even though he did not ask for it. Uh, First, let's start with what is medical assistance in dying and welcome back to the program.
5: Thank you. And hello to you and and Brock. I have to say, I agree. I, you know, somehow I wasn't shocked, but I was very deeply disappointed. when I heard this very disturbed, Um, medical assistance in dying is a, uh, a term that describes a particular protocol whereby an individual who is suffering, um, an an impossible situation, and uh, it does not yet include um, mental illness. It, it will next year in, in uh, March they will add mental illness to to the category, but it currently does not. Um, that that person may request uh, if they are a, a, a an adult over the age of eighteen and have capacity to make a decision on their own behalf. They may request assistance in dying, which can either be in uh, the form of a doctor or nurse practitioner administering a lethal substance or prescribing a lethal substance that the person can choose to administer to himself or herself. Um, And in order to get access to this, the person has to... uh, Affirm that this is actually what they want. It has to be witnessed by another person who has no um, can, who has no benefit that they can gain from it. In other words, you know, if, if you're about to uh, in, inherit money from from grandma and talking her into medical assistance and dying right, is right. not on. Can't do it. Right. That's that's not okay. It is also available only to people who themselves seek it. So if somebody says, "I think you ought to," that is. Not the way it works. So if if it can be, you know, if it appears that somebody is being um, uh, tr- convinced that they should be doing this, then they sh- they become ineligible. Mm-hmm. So you know, it it has to be completely independently sought. You know, when I heard this, and and this is one of the milder things I can think of, is it it really occurs to me that. People living with disabilities often suffer from other people's um, lack of imagination or failure of imagination. I think that ev- everyone I know with a disability has had somebody, uh, some, pardon the expression, some total idiot, say to them, I can't imagine living the way you live. Or if, if I had to live the way you live, I don't think I could do it. Or, oh, it just, you know, your life can't be worth living because of a disability. When I hear that, my you know, I feel like my hair goes on fire. Um, but it really speaks to the fact that there are people who simply cannot understand that while people live with disabilities, they live full and exciting and wonderful lives. So if somebody like this particular veteran um, goes to seek assistance, that person is looking for medical assistance or, in some cases, financial assistance. That is very hard to come by. The solution to that is not to offer them death. And I think that this is what makes this story so horrifying. But then there are
1: those people, like you just said who can't relate in such a way, who place themselves in that position. You've heard it with people say, well, if you knew your child was going to have birth defect, why would you go through dot, dot, dot? Mm-hmm. You, you've you heard of people saying, well, that, that person, what quality of life can they have? That family still had that child and growing. Why didn't they dot, dot, dot? Exactly. The thoughts, the openness, and, and it's almost people who, they can't hold themselves back from actually saying these things. And this is what it sounds like here. Somebody just can't hold themselves back, whether they're fr- literally, oh, I don't want to hear you say anything about that, whether they, I think it's really the best thing. Why? What would make Ugh. you think that? And I and I don't really know if I could ever imagine what would make someone think that they were in that position to be part of the conversation and roll that out there as an idea.
5: You know, a- apart from absolute ignorance, um, you know, which I credit many people have having um, wh- wh- whoever made this suggestion, and I, I understand that there is an investigation now into how this came about. Well, to, I, so, because
1: they could also just be someone with enough, just, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, problems of their own, yeah. Um, yeah. who whatever has a perverse s- sense of this is justice or right, or well, not justice, but what the way it should be, and and viewpoint.
5: Well, I think that, that, you know, the ableist point of view is often that, um, you know, like the people who have stopped some of my friends and said to them, I'm going to pray for you. When you think, why? I'm I'm perfectly fine. (laughs) Thanks very much. Leave me alone. I didn't ask you to do that. I think that I didn't ask you to do that or I didn't ask for your advice in this fashion is really the answer to, to this, you know. We know that people who live with disabilities who uh, attempt to get um, some kind of social assistance are not getting enough to live on. I mean, it was particularly we know in Ontario that the um, the the amount of money that that is available to people living with disabilities is approximately half yeah. what they need to, to huge conversation. Label. It, a huge conversation and it's terrible. And I can well imagine somebody who is really suffering from an ailment, whether it be PTSD, a brain injury, whatever, who simply doesn't have the capacity to put together all the things that they need and goes to seek assistance saying, you know, can you give me some assistance in getting the things that I need in order to lead the life that I want to lead? Um, the answer to that is, "Gee, things must be tough for you. I guess you don't want to live like this anymore um to me is is absolute nonsense apart from the fact that it's deeply insulting it is you know it is that kind of ableist view that the only kind of life worth living is my kind of life right I have to say you know if 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 I'm a person who is you know temporarily able bodied, then I think this is the right way to live. Uh, is an ableist point of view and really does not help anybody. Um, you know, if if you have a modicum of imagination, the people say, you know, can you put yourself in someone's shoes or in in someone else's wheelchair or in someone else's, you know, living situation and and imagine not just how difficult it is, but how positive it is. You know, how how well that person is is doing um i think that that's something that the ableist uh society fails to do we we you know we we're, we're often told you know you, you know the blind for a day or in a wheelchair for a day kinds of um experiments that that people are encouraged to try so that you can see what it's like to live as as a person with with a disability uh, those things make me a little nuts because i don't think that that tells you Anything other than then this is a game that I'm playing today, you know, um, and I think that that kind of mindset is something that should really be interviewed for when we hire people in the situation that this person, whoever he or she was, who offered medical assistance in dying uh, to this Canadian veteran, um, medical assistance in dying should only be discussed by the individual who is seeking it, if in fact they are, they are seeking it um, with their physician and with their family and, and closest friends. It's not something that a government agency should even bring up. It's, you know, this is, it's just, the inappropriateness of it is awe-inspiring actually. So, you know, We know that the disability community was uh, very disturbed when medical assistance in dying became lawful, that uh, many people who had followed the issue of the Latimer case, for example, um, Tracy Latimer was a 12 year old girl whose father um, killed her because he felt that her suffering was, was intolerable. And she'd gone through many, many procedures none of which had succeeded in in ending her suffering, and she had right. multiple disabilities. Um, and, the you know, Canada really got into the discussion at that time about whether what he did was lawful, whether it was moral, whether it, it should be, whether he should have been punished um, for what he did, whether he should have been, uh, you know, they should have just not bothered to prosecute him because he did it out of love for his child. Um, You know, these, these discussions will go on forever, but because of all of the things that happened there, um, the medical assistance in dying laws were passed. And I think what they basically said is, you know, this is a matter to be discussed by an individual who is competent and is able to make choices for himself or for herself. So that clearly would have ruled out a 12-year-old child, you know, who had these multiple disabilities that that uh, Tracy had. So, you know, what Robert Latimer did has not become legal and will not become legal. And um, should not. And may we add that, should not become yeah. legal. Um, you know, if we say that... There may have been extenuating circumstances, and it should have been you know that should have been brought into court. That's a different argument that that's a that's a different story, but you know there are people who are saying that people who live with disabilities are being um told about made, whether they're being actually actively offered it, or whether they themselves are seeking it, it, is, it has become part of the discussion since the the income disparities are so massive and people are saying, I just cannot continue living without being able to afford a roof over my head or food to eat or the assistance that, that I require in order to make it through a day. Um, it's, in my view, not just sad, but but terrifyingly wrong that Dying becomes part of that conversation. You know, it it is, if somebody were to say to the governments in power, you need to ensure that everybody in Canada, either living with a disability or not living with a disability, has a minimum income that they can rely upon. Um, and then we will look at the issue of medical assistance in dying when it has to do with intolerable suffering, not financial suffering, but physical or, in some cases, emotional or mental suffering. And then it becomes a conversation. It doesn't become an absolute, yes, you get to, you know, this is what you get to do. Who
1: do you have that conversation with? Obviously, your practitioner, like, I I don't know the key the people, and, and again, I'm assuming someone has a circumstance where they probably have a team of doctors, uh, yeah. you know, that, that could weigh in.
5: Well, yeah, and I think that people who I know of who have uh, got access to medical assistance in dying have had this conversation with their physicians, in some cases, nurse practitioners, or in, in some cases, in that team would be a pharmacist. Um, you know, people who who can get access to the kinds of uh, drugs that might be required in in these circumstances. Um, And of course, with their family members, uh, you know, and people close to them, um, I would suspect that in many cases, um, their family members will have a very good idea leading up to this, whether this is a good idea or not a good idea, you know, they've if, if you live with somebody who has been suffering intolerably for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, you will know that. Uh, if it's just a whim, if somebody is suffering a temporary setback or is having a really rough time, that should not uh, trigger medical assistance in dying. Uh, they did remove recently the requirement for somebody to be at end of life uh, in order to get access to medical assistance in dying. And some people have said, "Well, that's a good thing because you can be suffering in, you know, terribly, even though your death may not be foreseeable." Um, and other people have said, "Well, then they should be seeking other uh, remedies to help deal with the pain." So this case uh, has really brought up a whole basket of questions. In my view, we need to really take a close look at what ableism is doing or can be doing to the disabled community and start changing the mindset. Start talking about the positive things that people who live with disabilities love enjoy and it isn't those horrible sandwiches with pulled pork and donuts i kind of tell you that uh, sounds man. disgusting that'll put you in
1: some position danielle of uh-huh. course thank you kindly um for talking to us sharing and, and giving us things of course as usual to walk away and think about that was danielle mclaughlin our know your rights contributor and we were talking about mid and disabilities Coming up in just a moment, Brock and I will take a look at what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown. We'll give you a sneak peek at our program and discuss right here on Kelly & Company. (music) On Friday's show, we do Cut for Time, where we usually because we've run out of time during any given segment or maybe somebody's answering something that we've we've brought up or they've gotten into and we don't have time to get into it. So we save our comments for cut for time. But Brock, at the end of every show, I always like to point out segments people can go back and listen to. And there was a lot of great content, um, even from yourself today, uh, on the program, as usual, as we had a really wonderful, uh, wonderful day. I'll let you go first, sir, as the co-host guesting in for Rumya today.
2: Uh thank you. I'm going to go back to the segment we just had on medical assistant in dying and and the thing that really stuck out to me as we were chatting about it as someone basically being suggested to uh, you know take that on and get medical assistant in dying I was always raised Kelly in such a way where it's like you don't judge what other people's lives are you don't insert yourself In someone else's life, you can offer assistance, you know, to help them along the way. And so for me, I just eyes wide during Danielle's conversation and just the idea that someone actually put medical assistant in dying on the table when you don't really live and walk through that person's shoes.
1: I hated to say that I wasn't surprised because I've heard people make such wild outlandish suggestions about things you hear people talk and say well if I was born that way I would and they've just horrified me that this stuff would come out of a a human skull and and I I don't even know what to say except I'm embarrassed that I wasn't shocked that I've actually endured listened and what do you say to someone like that You, you walk away Yep. Brock, I want to scream out, uh, Ira. The conversation Michael Babcock had today, uh, and it was absolutely wonderful. With Janine Stanley, director of customer communi- of communication at Ira, uh, joined him. Really wonderful, enlightening, enlightening, enlightening. Let's try that again. There's three shots at the cat there, and he didn't do well, Cal, um, uh, Really t- discussing. Uh, discussing Ira the services and kind of the way it's done and just things people can look forward to when when indulging or getting involved and using it as a service and really some nice behind the scenes insight. Check that out via the Kelly and Company podcast subscribe using your favorite podcatcher and you'll get a good idea as to what they do and, and maybe you'll want to get one of their subscriptions and uh, they can help you out and they're always looking for volunteers in the United States too to get involved. That's Ira and our segment with Michael Babcock. Brock, would you mind giving us a nice- What's coming up tomorrow as the gang from now with Dave Brown assemble at 9 a.m. in the morning, or you can catch them as a podcast too, folks.
2: Not a problem. They've got some good stuff as always coming up. They're going to mark Disability Employment Month in B.C. with Parliamentary Secretary Dan Coulter. Uh, That's going to be a great conversation. Lauren Scunther discusses how the GPS technology is now mapping out rural and country settings. And they're going to have the weekly news quiz with uh, Karen McGee, Alex Smythe, and Mike Ross.
1: Sounds absolutely wonderful. Their show, they assemble at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI. Check them out, please, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Oh, 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 folks, uh, also stick around to Brock Richardson guy over there in Kitchener. He'll be there leading you through sports as Dave and him sit down and chat just after 10 o'clock in the morning as uh, Brock uh, joins the team over there uh, this week. And we'll be continuing on there, sir. And uh, we wish you good luck. You'll be back here, though, with me at 2 p.m. tomorrow for another full show.
2: Indeed, I will be. It's going to be fun. And I've had a sneak peek at the script and it's always a jam-packed show.
1: So... How much of the sandwich were you able to eat with the Krispy Kreme and the pulled pork?
2: One bite. Once I hit the uh, savory, I was like, that's enough of that.
1: <laughs> and you heard it. The sugar went right through the ceiling. Woo! Thanks, pal. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Talk to you tomorrow.
1: As Brock mentioned, good show. He's had a peek at the lineup. Let's tell you what's going on tomorrow. Danielle Jankine will be talking to us about the risk of monkey pox to our pets. Are you curious about how you can make our salads a full, balanced meal option without Krispy Kreme donuts? Nutritionist Julia Karanches will join us and she'll let us know. We'll catch up with Tony Freimark, our uh, community reporter in Medicine Hat, Alberta, and uh, get her report. Canada's largest and longest-running air show is celebrating its 73rd this year edition of it this Labor Day weekend. We'll learn more from Laurie Duthie, the show's executive director, when she joins us on the program. The Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians is celebrating their 30th anniversary in a few weeks, and we'll learn more with uh, Marcy Yale, National President, and Chantel Oaks, the chair of the 30th Anniversary Committee. And Andy Frank, AMI-audio manager, joins us to talk to us about the fall lineup of shows and more right here. Brock and I return tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm waving at you. Good night, folks. As we do on Cut for Time, I want to take a couple of moments to reflect over recent conversations and information that uh, you as our audience have have picked up on. You know there's some changes happening with Jeff Ryman. Uh, He is leaving the Now at Dave Brown. And uh, if you watch the program, you know he does sports over there. Uh, He finished that up on Friday. We'll be starting in time to slide into his new role with Kelly and Company. More details on that down the road. So I always feel that, oh, man change and i know how much jeff loves talking sports and being on air we see that with lifestyle and health on our program and when he does what in the world and you can see that clearly when he's on now with dave brown doing sports so i'm sure and hopefully all of us will have that understanding and say okay jeff great work and sympathy because you know what that's hard when things change like that he absolutely loves it what a trooper um for the changes coming up and and he needs the focus is a lot uh that's changing and we're very proud but it's time to start feeling that little bit of okay Jeff yeah sorry man and in time that will also mean some changes for him on our program and being on air as well so um that will start to unfold as we get over get moving along in the next couple of months Brock Richardson, as we talked about on Friday's show, what a chance for him to get in and do sports every day. One of his true loves. I'm not sure if being on air broadcasting or being a sports fan, uh, which one comes first. So he's lucky that he gets to do both and make a living doing so and enjoys it. So this opportunity he has waited for and it's now happening. You know the changes with the neutral zone. So congratulations to those guys, the whole pack of them in getting that chance to have a video podcast. But right now it's a moment as we sit here on a Monday and I just lean back and say, wow, amazing stuff for the guys. Congratulations. Fedora's off all.